0: Open Mouth Syndrome, with Elmo Kirkwood and Derek Bostrom. Derek, it's good to see you. It's been a couple weeks. I think the last time we got together, it wasn't yet profoundly hot out.
1: Right, it was right on the cusp, on the precipice. We were standing on the precipice of our destiny. It's always hot here, though. Right. A friend of mine uh, from jolly old England sent me something from their local news Describing Phoenix as hell on earth. In regard to our heat wave here. So it's uh, international news. In regards to our heat wave or just
0: the regular hell on earth that it also attains in the wintertime? <laughs> right. Winter
1: <time. laughs> the, 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 the part of it that has nothing to do with the weather. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, it's true. It is hot here. And of course, uh, for various listeners who, who might hear this piece of audio, if it makes the cut, we need to have a, plenty of episodes in the can so that we maintain our freedom of lifestyle. We may be talking about the heat in wintertime, in podcast time, but that's okay. This is an evergreen podcast. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been warm. Actually, the last time we got together, there was a nasty mulch fire. And, there was a nasty mulch fire. And you were like, whatever. And then
1: probably by the time I got home, it had probably swamped your ass. I think that I was uh, immune from the stink, and in that funk, in any essence, is something that I'm imbued with. Therefore, it bounces right off, or just latches right on.
0: (laughs) But anyway, we took a break as we tried to sort out some of the details of of getting this podcast out into the public. And and then we, I mean, I, decided what we were going to do, and it's out now. You
1: thought I was going to complain. dude? you think I want to do work? I only did what we talked about. Right. When it's you and me, I feel fully included. There you go. I'm not afraid of you.
0: You're bigger than me, but I figure that if a push came to a shove, you'd throw me right up on your shoulders and pull me right out. So I I just stay close. If
1: ever needed me, I would fucking ferry you to safety
0: and i'd like to think you do it without being prompted without even thinking it would just be natural natural
1: (laughs) oh absolutely hey listen i'm a libertine i'm here for fucking a time i didn't say good time just a time
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i'm here for a certain time the uh the part of setting up your your podcast well first of all I, i had been bemoaning the fact that really there's a so many podcasts of dudes sitting around talking about shit no, but you don't understand. We're trying to get at a certain philosophy of life that we can impart to others and who listen to our podcast, and they will learn <laughs> how to make the world more like we want it to be. No. It's like, well, if you want to be successful, maybe you should do a podcast about how to succeed in the music business. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to succeed in the music business. <laughs> what, is, what is success? Well, success, how to succeed in the music business for me, and that is actually what this podcast is about, is how to organize your expectations to the point where you can cruise your life in and amongst and in spite of the music business.
1: Well, good goddamn. That so, was concise.
0: The bottom line is is that uh
1: we we want we want to amuse ourselves. Oh, 100%. And listen, I need to get my jollies, right? And if me getting my jollies is something that other people can get some jollies off of, I'm totally down with that. That's we've talked about this before connecting with my fellow man isn't something I necessarily seek out, but being a you know, a pack animal. I think that there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's a necessity for it, and I do every once in a while enjoy the experience I have when I feel connected to the fellow human being. Music is a conduit to that, and it really does. It works. The selfish part of it is I like to be on stage. I like to be the one. But I feel like I'm getting so much from people screaming at me. It's cool. It's intense. It's-
0: well, and that brings up the other point. A lot of times podcasts feature characters that you love to hate. So yes. So we also would like the haters
1: to come and enjoy us as well. Oh, Absolutely. I got a big mouth. Yeah. I can talk. Yep. You can talk as well. Yep. We can carry it. We can keep going. And you and I like talking to each other. It's not the content that I'm looking at. It's the flow. What I want is
0: to feel that jolt of energy running up and down my spine. Yeah. And if it's lies or if it's um, nonsense, not even if it's English, that's fine with me. Oh,
1: yeah. The content is never so important as the delivery. Yep. Right? Um, which is what I've always liked about being a chatty motherfucker. It's yes. You get a buzz off the fucking shit. It's the same thing as music. When you hit a stride with something, and if you have a particular way about you, you can sort words together and toss a few sentences you know, in front of and back of one another, and people think it's clever enough. Then they get down with it, too. And like the music thing, it's fun, because then it becomes a group experience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. The thing is, is that we're kind of cyphers, especially you. You will... attune your level of horseshit
1: to whomever you are around. I just get uh, stimulated by being around groups of people and when they seem (laughs) the least bit impressed by my gratuitous prattle, I just go for the fucking kill, right? It's like opulent vomit, (laughs) (laughs) right? It's funny, certain people know me, people in different parts of my life, like in my early 20s and I would have jobs or some shit like quiet. Just kept to myself. People wouldn't have believed like what a fucking freak I was when I wasn't there, right? Yeah,
0: I went to your your place of work one time and I could tell you were like,
1: don't let worlds collide. Don't let worlds collide. (laughs) I was just watching your technique. Isn't it interesting that from age 22 to 37, I avoided any sort of conventional employment. But during pandemic times, through necessity, I got to do something I've always wanted to do. So it was awesome, right? I love cooking. I do it by myself all the time and it was my favorite pizza place and it was i learned so much and it was so cool
0: (laughs) plus if you've ever worked in an apartment kitchen as you do you probably say to yourself as i do man if
1: only i had an
0: industrial kitchen
1: (laughs) right you know and to get to use all that stuff the whole idea of it was cool because i realized within the first week that it actually reminded me of being in a band yeah it's so efficient and then the cool thing about it is Right away, I got a little bit of the satisfaction that I get from what it's like to be in a functioning band. I was
0: watching it, and you're, you're sitting there like going, I don't think these people realize that I'm Elmo Kirkwood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> well, well, I did. Um, but the thing is, being in a situation where you're suddenly being told that you need to get a certain amount of work done at a certain time, Oof. Uh, and then being responsible for trying to get these other losers who don't give a damn... To do it made me have to stop. So I went into IT for my grocery chain, and that was seedier pants hanging from the, the ceiling shit for uh, 10 and a half years until when I finally called my boss's bluff about the fact that they were going to eliminate the position, which they did, and they found a way to get rid of me without having to pay me severance. <laughs> it's like I was uh, at the grocery store when you called me yesterday. The thing about the grocery store is it's more dangerous than driving in a mountain pass with a bunch of truckers. I agree with that entirely. People want to kill me with my shopping cart. People are are just
1: horrible there. They're rude and awkward. And they're they're, so passionate about getting their fucking... Everything about the grocery market is fucked. There's X amount choices of a thing, right? Yep. Dude, most people always buy the same goddamn thing. It's fucking little... The pageantry that they fucking toss onto their getting of item, right? First of all, they know where it's at, so they claim dominion over this area. And then they pretend like they're shopping. Grab the fucking thing you came to get. Now, I do understand that some people are actually looking at their four selections of maraschino cherries or whatever the fucking fake shit you're going to be buying at a fake-ass fucking grocery store. Like, those are the kind of people that go and buy pasta and canned sauce and then heat it up and call that cooking the single guy who on his day off
0: is Ah. buying
1: two weeks worth of frozen food those pre-made meals yeah she like I'm, i'm having chicken tikka masala cooking is is even more pleasurable than playing music in a lot of ways man i love cooking it makes me feel so relaxed
0: hey guys Are you tired of ads that claim to be targeting you algorithmically, yet leave you vaguely unfulfilled as a consumer? Are the ads that intrude upon your content feeds making you feel not sufficiently seen? Maybe it's time you tried our advertisements. This is our promise to you. All ads for Meat Puppets and Meat Puppets adjacent products will be 100% of interest to all Meat Puppets fans. Swing on over to themeatpuppets.com slash store for information on how to find records, t-shirts, audio downloads, and other crazy shit and see if you don't agree. You claim to like presidents.
1: It's not that I like them. I'm, uh... Well, you can't like them. I think the idea of American presidents is really funny. (laughs) Yeah. I think the reverence of it is reserved for, like, maybe one to four of them. Aside from that... Which four? Oh... Are you you uh, prepared to say. Jimmy Carter, Barack Obama, John F. Kennedy and Abraham Lincoln. What about FDR? Yeah, you know what? Actually, he's on a realistic level. He takes the place of Carter. Carter is conceptual because he's sweet. Nice fella. Any politician is corrupted, but he's unencumbered by the very insidious parts of it. It's this, like, and of course he's evil. He has to be. But there's a sweetness to him. Dude's exceedingly intelligent. And had a good life. I'm not a great humanist by any means. I really give two shits. But if that's what you're saying you want to be, a president of a country and you want to lead people, actually liking people is pretty fucking cool. Here's the weird thing about Carter. He came up in the racist society, right? And he
0: had to kind of play it close to the vest. Oh, yeah. But once he got to be governor and he's like, guess what? Fuck racism. Ha <laughs> ha. And people were like aghast in 1970. And of course, he obviously became president during a time when the outsider and the Democrat was going to get a strong push. Then he tried to balance the budget. (laughs) What kind of a Democrat tries to balance the
1: budget? For crying out loud. Well, he was our first kind of post-New Dealy. You know what's interesting about him, too, real quick, referencing back to people thinking he was kind of a dodo? He's got, like, the third highest IQ of any president. Yeah. You know who's number one? Uh, Not FDR. Bubba. Clinton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sure. it's Barack Obama. Yeah.
0: That, but so. we may be grading on the curve because we didn't have the same tests for, like, um, Martin Van Buren, for instance.
1: Martin Van Buren was kind of a piece of shit.
0: He's considered the first machine president who, like, right. created a party machine politic kind of a thing as opposed to, like, your early founding fathers' mm-hmm. crap. Mm-hmm. So piece of shit perhaps but also he's um given the blame for the depression that happened because of andrew jackson's policies fucking around with the banks and stuff like that andrew
1: jackson was a wild boy number one Best
0: president ever. No.
1: <laughs> That's a far out dude. He was a fucking hellraiser since he was a fucking youth. He came to office with a bullet in him from a duel that he won. Yeah.
0: And then he fired his entire cabinet because one of the dudes married a chick that was outside of society. And all the other wives of the cabinet members decided to alienate her and not let her into
1: society. So he's like, fuck that, you're all fired. He's the most controversial money president. It's interesting that he's on money.
0: He'll be gone he's, soon he's, enough.
1: It's going to happen. He's got an egregious fucking history with the natives. <laughs> you, know, you know who
0: loved him, Maga Boy.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He put his
0: portrait right on up. Anyway, Jackson, he, uh, <laughs> you know, your, your Indian wars are actually kind of interesting. If you're interested in war and you're not just interested in bemoaning uh, the, the fact that there are winners and losers.
1: Yeah. Even though it is, yeah. Even though it's fucked. semblance of objectivity just to see it as a thing that happened, right? It's not uninteresting. And
0: the, uh, the whole um, Battle of New Orleans, not <laughs>
1: uninteresting. Oh, uh, all that stuff's really interesting.
0: What's interesting about it is it gives you a sense of how different things are now than they were then. <laughs> Jackson was up north and they were fighting the British because they had access to the port. And so they were able to come on in. And the Brits have a strong hankering for what I would call amateurism. They're very seat of the pants because they have this class culture where it's like, oh, yeah, you're in. You know, it's like the good old boy network. Doesn't matter if you're incompetent or not. They bring these fuckers in to run things, and they usually are just like, oh, well, fuck this, whatever. It's like success hides a myriad of evils, but they still win because they're so far ahead of everybody.
1: Just yesterday, I watched a little, like, uh, YouTube video, and it was just how inbred... Is prince known now King Charles, how inbred is he on this scale, right? Reasonably so. fairly inbred for a modern uh, royal, right. yeah, right. Uh, you know, and his parents were first cousins.
0: You know what happened to the first King Charles? He got his head cut off, yeah, you know why? Uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Because there was an attempt to make Britain a republic. And after Oliver Conwell died, they're like, yeah, we want our king back. <laughs> Are there any other is lying around? Well, how about his son? That'd be Charles II. Okay, we're down with that. And you know, there's still a lot of people in Britain. They're still mad about it.
1: I think it's fucking hilarious that these people still take the royalty thing seriously at all. The idea that they think these people have something, people that really, there's nothing fucking special about them. They had money once upon a time. They're a bunch of fucking Germans pretending to be limeys. But you know why they had to go to Germans? Because Germans are prone to lycanthropy. Close.
0: Similar. Because all their local kings and queens didn't want to give up Catholicism. (laughs) Here's what I was thinking about uh, with illegal murder, which would have been your execution. Now, you can understand the concept where... The state would be like, you know, I don't think it would be good for you guys' neighborhoods if you did your own killing. We'll take that on for you. That way you can all just point at us and go, yeah, fuck the government. If you killed each other, then there would be repercussions, you know. And
1: so it's easier. And the social dynamic yeah. there is way too. It's too fraught. The tribal dynamic. So even though technically
0: I am against the idea that the government will go ahead and take your life. As am I. Life will be taken. Yes. I would rather the government do it than my neighbors going, huh, let's see, Bostrom hasn't weeded his yard in the last six months. Time for him to die.
1: Right. Or Okay, so people are going to have their emotional reactions to things. Yep. Even in that, to agree with what you're saying, you have to apply some sort of, like... Guardrails. Yeah, baseline of rationale. People are sensitive, and the sensitive creature just is going to snowball if there's not, like, you know, precedents and parameters. But well, here's
0: the problem. The society in a democracy, supposedly, they say, these are the things that we don't want to have happen so bad that we would take you out and kill you. Right. Then there's so-called representatives, which presumably these people who want killing voted for and created laws, and then they said, we're going to put this law in the books that says... You get killed if we catch you doing this. And so technically, they've kind of diffused the karma of the situation to the you know the courts, the the people, the voters, the, the legislatures, the police, the executioners. but here's the problem. There's too many of these fucking people once they've gotten, that person killed once they've had
1: the execution they're still pissy about it of course so there where's the catharsis <laughs> there is no catharsis then why bother the way i see it is is i don't think it's a punishment for most of these motherfuckers to die being in prison for your whole fucking life sounds miserable our entire prison system is fucked so we're starting from a baseline of bad the way our courts are set up to send people to prison some people <laughs> <laughs> but the way that it's pretty much specifically set up for like huge amounts of recidivism and shit like that, so we're starting from garbage to begin with, and um i I don't see in a modern world with what we know and the way we should see things socially and culturally. I don't agree with the government killing people at all. I guess I can't conceptualize how that is a more severe punishment than keeping someone in a fucking prison denied of a free life. That's fucking horrifying. Speaking of
0: how prison sucks, I was reading about the hunger strike in Ireland, the whole Bobby Sands thing. You're familiar with Bobby Sands? Yeah. Actually, uh, 10 of them died. The thing about it is, is the reason they had this hunger strike was because... Well, in 1971, the Brits started what they called internment, which would basically be like grabbing people off the streets and throwing them in prison. Right. Without a trial. And they didn't like that. So in 1975, they said, we'll give you a trial. But what we're going to do is they called it basically criminalization. I think they also may have called it normalization, in which they no longer treated the IRA members as if they were on Hogan's Heroes. And that's your touch point for you Americans, basically allowing them to have their command structure and their own little thing. And right. Instead, they treated them like common criminals. They were like, you committed a crime, you are a criminal. They wouldn't let them wear their own clothes. They were going to make them wear prison uniforms, and um, there were other things that bothered them. But um, we're going to call 600 years of your struggle common criminal they didn't like that. So they, they started what they called the dirty protest, also known as going on the blanket.
1: I'm glad you're bringing this up because those are terms that I've heard, but I don't know. They both means the same thing.
0: They are not going to wear any clothes at all. They're going to be naked. They have to wear blankets. <laughs> the only times they would wear their clothes is if they were going to having an outside visit, at which point they would usually pass messages back and forth by pretending to French kiss. And then... <laughs> All of these dudes, they didn't wear any clothes, so they had to wear blankets. It gets cold. Yeah. But they also started smearing their shit all over the walls.
1: Oh, good Lord. And that's why it
0: was the dirty protest. So these fuckers, for years, they, they wouldn't wash. So they didn't wash because they, they were being criminalized. And I'm like, if you're trying to overthrow the British government, what do you care what they think about you? You're already in prison. Ten of these fuckers starved themselves to death. And uh, it's not pretty. This you're, is the early 80s? This is 81. It only takes a couple months. <laughs> so it can do it within the span of one year. <laughs> so um, like Bobby Sands was elected to parliament. So what it basically did was kind of help politicize the troubles, which is to say, brought Sinn Féin, which was the political wing of the IRA into politics. And why do we have politics is to create some sort of a way that we can resolve conflicts without resorting to bombing people, right? So Sinn Féin started getting in, more involved in politics. And as we speak today, Sinn Féin is the biggest party in Ireland, not just Northern Ireland. And I'll be goddamned if they're not still partitioned. And I'll be goddamned if the Protestant side are still saying, well, these were common criminals. <laughs> They've tried to claim they were fighting a war. But actually, again, this, is, this becomes an emotional issue. But if you're dealing with a problem, if there's a conflict the motions just tend to get in the way. Oh, yeah. Eventually you've got to like make some sort of a reason play. And obviously they figured out a way to end the uh, the violence over there more or less. And uh, you might know this, the leaving of Brexit has reopened some of the wounds because Ireland is in Brexit. Right. It is not in Brexit. Is in the EU. Right, right. But Britain isn't. Isn't. Yeah. And so that fucks up the border between right. the six counties and the Republic. And uh, so now, apparently, they had to create a situation where the border is in the middle of the ocean between the
1: six counties and England. England on the island of... I don't know what the name of the island is. Isn't the island called... uh, I think it's Tarantula Husk. No, that's their band. (laughs)
0: eudaimonia it can be defined as a feeling of fulfillment derived from the pursuit of well reasoned action and service of one's potential or something like that better to let the music do the explaining oh i forgot music never explains recorded live over a few days in june 2023 best behavior is a collection of seven tracks improvised by chris Derek, elmo and ron of the meat puppets the piano driven instrumental selections touch on free jazz psychedelic jam funk fusion prog ambient and the stylings that are uniquely their own sound best behavior by the eudaimonyx is now available on bandcamp All proceeds go towards us being able to continue making music to share with a lot of you. Head on over to bostwood.bandcamp.com and see what you think. We hope you dig what you hear. So anyway, we have a new band. We do have a new band. Should we talk about
1: it? Yeah, let's talk about it.
0: Well, when I got back into the band, one of our favorite topics on this podcast, (laughs) I hadn't played the drums for like 20 years. So there was a need for me to level up. So we would get together we learned the the Dusty Notes album and all the songs we were doing. Uh you guys were very patient with me. I was never particularly bad, but I got better and it started to get really interesting. Yes. So we started jamming a little bit more. You know,
1: we weren't doing a lot of shows because COVID. And also, the band doesn't all live in the same area. They don't. It's just you, Chris, and I here in Phoenix, and Kurt's in Austin, and Ron is in... He- he's bouncing around from one place to another in his car. Well, we've always, we've been jamming for years now, though. Yeah. I remember we like tossed some of those up online for fun. Yeah. You listen to that stuff, it's hilarious. Yeah. Because that was back then. And then... There was like the COVID thing happened. You know, I didn't jam with you guys for quite a while when we started doing it again. Yep. So we came back and it was like, ooh, tighter. And since then, it's only just gotten yeah tighter and tighter and tighter. Well, and-
0: since, you know, um, you know we, we did a little tour in uh, 2020, 2022, I'm sorry. And it was harder than we thought it would be. And it kind of made us rethink the wisdom of doing a lot of shows. So we haven't done a lot of shows. But in the meantime, the three of us are here in town going, well, fuck. And with any luck... By the time this airs, we will have done some shows. I'm betting so. In the meantime, Ron comes out a couple times a year. And slowly but surely, since we've been practicing at my house, I've been upping my recording skills and buying equipment, and we're getting pretty good uh, effects. And so I uh, threw some stuff up online to see if people would like it, and it's, it's gotten good results, and we like it, which is to say that, heaven help the audience member, we are playing improvisational <laughs> instrumental music for now.
1: <laughs> right. Which is a trip, actually. The thing that got recorded when Ron was in town, you know, it's funny. Stuff like that can really be such jerk-off bullshit, you know? And it's such a fine line. And I'm actually not biased towards myself when it comes to that kind of stuff because that's not the kind of music I make, typically, Right. right? exactly. I can be very judgmental of that. It's actually really good. What you did do it, you know what I mean? Like the editing and anything, just the playing and the parts together, All it's actually... There's some insanely satisfying shit on it. It's really good. I've listened to it several times, which is not normal. Well, well, let's make something clear real quick. So this is not the actual band we're talking about. This is called...
0: Eudomonics.
1: And it's different. This is just a recording thing we do with Ron, the keyboard player who plays in Meat Puppets. And Eudomonics is... It's more keyboard-driven, yeah. driven, yeah. Purposefully, there's not a lot of guitar. Like, I come in here and there, which is really fun. That yeah. sounds great. The guitar's not the lead instrument here. It does some leads. Yeah. But it's not a guitar-driven thing, so it's no. really fun.
0: The, the thing about it is, is Ron's been in the band since 2017. You know, Each time we play with him, it gets a little bit better. A lot of it boils down to trying to meet in the middle, because he is, like, so schooled, and we are so unschooled.
1: Right. And for as schooled as he is, he gets really close to letting go of it.
0: Right. He doesn't have his own band. He doesn't have a project where he's the leader. Right. And he's got all these side hustles and a tons of little things. He
1: makes a, his dollar and his cent. Right, he exactly. makes it fucking happen. he likes it, too. Well, that's the thing. What he really likes is playing with us. Right. Because we're something way removed from like a lot of his reality and you know, even the cool shit you guys come from a very different place and that kind of intensity i have my own brand of that
0: your thing is the same as ours in the sense that you're resolute about your trip and then you mm-hmm. turn around and realize oh my god i've managed to clear space for myself for like the past 30 40 years <laughs> and now it's undeniable the thing about ron is, is like i watch the way he organizes music in his head when he's playing
1: right sometimes
0: it has been kind of bad we kind of bat it back and forth and try to find the right balance. But this last time finally hit on something where I could see how. I'm Mr. Four on the floor, right i'm not mr Seven eighteen time Thank order, god though. but i'm always conscious of where the top of the measure is, so I can go back and edit. I know that all of your favorite jazz albums that are improvisational have been edited, so I don't have any bones about that I
1: love that it's edited like it doesn't mean it wasn't recorded live it was it was improvisational editing it's the fucking shit that's the fun part that's what makes it a recording project too. You take a 37-minute jam and you can boil it down to like 8 to 10 minutes. Making songs out of jams is awesome. Even the stupid uh, Paul Simon Graceland album. They just went and recorded jams, brought it to New York City, had a real good engineer splice it down. Paul Simon stole a bunch of songs. As do we. Made a great album though. And people responded to it because people don't give a fuck about all that nuts and bolts
0: shit. The thing is, is what we're improvising is composition.
1: Absolutely. So I'm always, you know what I'm doing, especially like, even when I'm doing leads, yeah, I'll get far out, but you can see how I'm structuring stuff there. And you can hear it, what we're actually talking about, which is our real new project, which is Derek on drums, Chris on bass, me on guitar. But that's our new band for right now. In lieu of us playing Meat Puppet shows, which we're not for the time being, and this is different from the Meat Puppet. What we figured out is that Chris and Derek and I have been playing for years together, the three of us. And, and it
0: doesn't sound bad.
1: No, and we whip up a unique sound, and it's interesting because it's these two dudes have been playing together always, but it's a different style of guitar playing and how. What does that bring out of everybody? How do we respond to each other? It's really cool. So get we into were it, trying, motherfuckers. We were trying to figure out a name. And Chris was on the phone with Dez Kadena yep. of... Uh, Vida. And Black Flag, and, uh, and he suggested a name that we took. Yep. And the name of our new project is Happy Universe. Um, by the time this airs, we'll probably at least play one gig. But we're setting up some shows in Southern California for the fall, and I'm sure we'll be setting up more stuff like that, so... We'll be talking about it more. Yep. But look forward to that. The plan is this right now. Meet puppets adjacent projects are getting a little bit more emphasis for the time being until we can, you know, scratch that Meat Puppet's itch. But this is fun. We get to stretch out, get to let my Uncle Chris be a little bit of a bass hog. Yeah. And, uh... Well, the thing is, Bostrom is very restless. Right. If he wants to do stuff. Right. And you and Chris are playing fucking just sick these days. So it's kind of like, oh, shit, why would we... Don't leave your light under a bushel. Yeah. And then you remember... Oh, wait. The,
0: the, then this is gets back to Edemonic's project, because I am also work with a fellow named uh, Nick Millivoy in a group called Grassy Sounds.
1: He's a fun guitar player. And he
0: does tons and tons of stuff. Grassy Sounds is just one of his things. And I kind of elbowed my way into that project, which was a, an offshoot of his band Desertion Trio, which is a terrific group. Mm-hmm. And unlike a lot of Ron's guys, he's actually got a pop side to him
1: there's a structural like uh pop formatting to a certain degree to his songs now, like it's it's musical in um, a contemporary way
0: right he he's in a couple of bands with a fella by the name of chris forsyth who i met when i was out there a year ago and they have like a band that's like a neil young covers band and plays uh, steel guitar in it Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just into rock and roll as
1: well as into avant-garde jazz, which they do a lot of as well. So they got that side, but then they've got the songwriter, singer-songwriter shit. When I first got back involved with the Meat Puppets,
0: I pulled uh, Kurt aside. I'm like, how come you guys aren't, haven't become like jam band kings? And they're like, we're too weird for them. As I learned more about what we're up to as I got into the band myself, I was like, oh yeah, we're too weird for your average jam yeah, band audience. Yeah, it's weird.
1: you think that it was... You know what's
0: interesting? Well, actually, we're different now than well, they, you guys they, they, were with Shannon. You know what's
1: funny is it like any of the festivals we do when we play to huge amounts of people that aren't our fan base because right. it's a festival. They dig it. We do great. It's hilarious how well we do because they see what it is and it's real. And when you're playing real music, if you're there to see a music festival like th- that kind of thing, what we provide, <laughs> now, I don't even know what to say about it because I'm not there experiencing what they are we like the little engine that could, right? We'll start to break it down and then build it up. We get far out and it sounds like it's falling apart. And then, bam, we're fucking syncopated right back into this fucking insane machine, right? It's just like, holy shit. And then, boom, crescendo. There's a, a word
0: for music that is done through improvisation. It's like when we do Up in the Sun, it transitions into a thing that's yeah. not written.
1: What I think happens with these festivals is that, you know, there's enough energetic stuff, right? You know, we keep it going. But then, you know, you pepper in some stuff that's a little less insane. You get far out, right? But when we really deliver at the end. Well, what, what you're saying is we build. We build. Our performances have an arc to them. Right. The framework, the parameters that we operate in, when we get? The fuck around, right? And then throughout the tours, the fucking around. This tour, this is how the jam goes. This tour, this is how it goes. And then we build our own little unique things throughout the tours. And you and I will start looking at each other. Boom, boom, emphasis here, and it's fun, right? Because you have these unique experiences as the band. Even back in the day, right when we weren't a five-piece, back in
0: the early days when we used to destroy our careers by coming back on stage for the encore and playing stuff we didn't know for as long as we could Mm -hmm. before it it fell apart. We did that night after night. And uh, the thing is, that's what keeps us going. And we we see that, we feel that, and it's like the signpost ahead. And so what we've been working on is finding that signpost, and we've got it with this new group. Mm -hmm. And it's just like what I've always said is you take care of business, Mm -hmm. you don't see it coming, and you just wonder... How on earth is this being perceived by the other human (laughs) beings? And they seem to like it. Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, just having some sort of conceptual prowess that you can dive into on the spot. Yeah. Right. Being able to just like execute at will. That's cool. Yep art in general just to just go at it drawing painting dancing talking playing guitar jamming with other people whatever stealing right killing (laughs) fucking cooking rubbing your dog's neck and
0: you're looking for the point where the tools disappear and you're you're making art with your life essence and you don't see the tools anymore and that's where lack of sleep comes in and bad
1: food and long drives when you take from yourself Mm -hmm. when you deprive yourself for whatever reason, when you, when you hurt yourself as an artist, the reward for whatever reason is that your art never suffers for it. You're rewarded by a greater abundance of whatever it is that your art is that makes you feel successful at what your art doing is. It's fucking evil. Right. It's this fucking incredible thing. That's why I'm so fascinated with hunger strikes. Poo-poo on the wall, right? It makes no sense.
0: And you open yourself up to a situation where your opponents can easily point to that as bullshit, right? Right. But <laughs> there is an abstract element. And once you give give the world an opportunity to abstract you away from your actual self, even starving yourself to death makes sense. On a certain level Well it must Because some people Actually did it And that's the Fucked up thing about it It's like they're like going You know you're gonna die In three months
1: I'm totally gonna do it Are you out of your Fucking mind Right And even on like A more basic level of it Like a few years ago We went and played In Berkeley And then we did Hardly Strictly Bluegrass right Much fun That was a blast There was a ton of people That was one of the Like the aforementioned Festival where we just You got your picture In the newspaper I did Right (laughs) on front of The fucking art section That was Uh funny I didn't sleep in between those gigs, right? Uh, We stayed up, and there was alcohol.
0: Yeah, just like we did that show in L.A. when they kept the band up all night drinking, and then we had to drive to Los Angeles from San
1: Francisco. Right, right. That gig in L.A.? Yeah. That gig in L.A., we played how many many, encores? We did three encores. we We did three, and then we stopped. And those people stayed there for 30 minutes screaming for us to come back. That was fucking insane. Not because
0: we were good per se. In fact, we were spaced out as fuck.
1: But we opened up that portal. Now nah, we fucking gave them a head twister. Yep. They felt it. We felt it. The vibe was right. It was a great show. And it's otherworldly. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't get a sense from a lot
0: of musicians that they're looking to go mad. Yeah, What course. music sounds like to
1: me is that it's all of these artists' new toy, right? A little precious. Yeah. I I sit around and I write songs, this, that, the other. But I like just playing guitar and getting down. And what I really like, like we've been talking about, is just fucking getting lost. Like, I like playing guitar and just flipping the fuck out. And I don't do that all the time. Well, you can't get to it all the time. Right. And, you know, the best way to get there... Is to stick at it. Yeah, and you don't have to force it. Nope. Get down, man. Play a fucking guitar. The thing about the
0: guitar is since it's also a percussion instrument, it links up well with the drums.
1: And you and I are good with that. Uh You and I are tight. We have a thing that's we lock in together real well. Lock right in. I can't not. I just love it so much. I love snapping with that snare, baby. Fucking just sounds so cool.
0: Sounds like rock and roll to me. Back back a long time ago, I realized that, that you're good, right? You can fucking do the shows. That's not a fucking problem. I've been doing this my whole goddamn adult life. (laughs) The goal is to try to stay healthy. If you focus on trying to get enough sleep to avoiding problems... I stopped doing it so long ago, it's not even funny. Allowing other
1: people to lead you by the fucking nose. What are you saying? I can't believe this. You know, me... I'm a model of virtue on tour. I wasn't talking about you per se. I was talking so, about that fucking Ron. Uh, Ron is a wild animal. He's a fucking wildebeest. Here's what's funny. You saw me on some of my most partied out tours. I never drank on tours or did anything for years. I never had, that was just, I was having fun, but it was yeah. like. I'm
0: not criticizing others, but I, I just can't fucking do it. And I've been on tour. I, so we started touring in 1981. And first tour I was on, I got good and sick twice. Right. I mean, like... To the point where, on the day off, I would just like collapse. Right. You know that continued for a while until I realized a couple of things I had to do to keep from getting sick. When you're touring on it, you know, for twenty five bucks a night, with like seven hundred miles in between each show, sleeping on people's floors, mm-hmm. you gotta keep it a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I absolutely believe you can kiss my ass because I've slept on people's floors for fucking years.
1: I will say, it uh, was funny. That European tour was just sucked. I had a blast, but it just was like... A lot of tedium involved. There was no respite. It doesn't take much to overturn a situation. And I had never had that experience. I've never been, like, had a tour that I thought was hard. Even when I did it with my old bands and I was sleeping on floors and all that kind of crap. Like, I just got my ass whooped. That tour was too long and we covered too much space. Touring never bothers me. I dig it, right? I just don't even think about it. After a while, it got cool. We got to Belgium. There was Going
0: a- to Ireland was great. Those shows were really cool.
1: And they actually were decently attended.
0: And I'd never oh, been there, so I was glad show.
1: to go. The shows in England were decent, too. Leeds,
0: Manchester, and then uh, Norwich, and then London. London show
1: was pretty piss poor. You know what? There was, a, there was a good amount of people there. Yeah. We just didn't play good. And you know what's funny about that? We'd had our asses whooped, right? Oh, my God. London, you know, could have been like a real cool gig, and it just was like, fuck.
0: We were so tired. To have it kind of
1: end like that, and then we go play that goddamn festival, the Basque region of Spain. Got a couple of days off. Motherfucker, what? <laughs> it was the best show of the tour, it and everybody was. knew it. We went out there, it was unreal. We like we fucking, knew what we were doing. We fucking destroyed, and people were tripping the fuck out. We get off stage, and the vibe was far out because people they knew and we knew we were done right (laughs) it was 19 shows it was just such a fucking beautiful way to end everything we just played so good yeah and it was a blast and it was so fucking loud and even all the other bands you could see like they're just looking at us like holy shit you see what these guys did like what the fuck man which is asking a lot of somebody who's got their own show to play that night (laughs) (laughs) and you know what it's cool it's really fun we're so good and we're so tight when we play bigger and nicer places with better sounds. We always rise to the occasion. But for some reason, people, <laughs> they want it served in this certain way. But when it's served in this different way, <laughs> it's fun. You know what the band is? Because it is a jam band in a way, but it's not. We don't follow the jam band rules. We're way too psychedelic. We're psychedelic for real. We have a non-aural
0: psychedelicness to us. We,
1: we, we get far out for real. There's actual, like abstract
0: it's not just stockhausen we've actually discovered that we exist and so it's influenced by us which is interesting right to filter everything through your actualness
1: yeah the meta part of it is badass that's what makes just doing this little fucking three-piece really fun is because
0: right i was gonna say we tear off the two serious musicians
1: (laughs) you know what they're gonna do is fucking have to just absorb the sonic fucking blast the
0: only way it has to be is what it is right this moment <laughs> what we can bring to it it's a different approach is all just fucking you know go for it <laughs> the stuff that gets dredged out is just hilarious the last gig we did as the meat puppets it was like the best gig ever in san francisco oh, yeah
1: luckily that last gig we played was so good it, it sucks that we didn't get to finish the very last show of the tour it really sucks. Yeah. But to finish like we did, it was so good. Oh my god! Like, that
0: that improv that we did with Up on the Sun was like epic. It, it
1: was insane.
0: And then I came home, and I took all of the Up on the Suns. Oh, and that was made beautiful. Made an hour long improv, which I need to release, dude. It actually came sweet. out good. Yeah.
1: It's really beautiful. Yeah. You have me. to release that.
0: Yeah, I will. Bandcamp, camp here we come right it's like a one hour version of up on the sun it's like gray folded the grateful right. dead album oh, that's yeah. like three hour dark star or whatever right. i love the meat puppets because they can be abstracted like that
1: you know what i like about the meat puppets thing what i get to specifically do is i get to play the sort of shit kicker country rock i like yep i get to play old r&b soul kind of yep. guitar playing i like I get to play the reggae shit I like. I get to play the fucking far out shit I like and the punk rock. I get to play And the pop. Everything I want to play, I get my nut. It's pretty cool. As a guitar player, it's like, wow.
0: Every song is like so well-developed in my mind that it can go in so many different directions. And it's different (laughs) every night because it depends on... The humidity in the air, what I can hear, how much I had for dinner, everything.
1: How, how it's going, how the it's set's a, going. Yeah,
0: how am I going to make this work tonight? And it's fascinating.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a blast.
0: You know? Yeah. Oh, this song's going to be like this tonight. Uh-huh. And and it, but,
1: but it's cool because what it's done is... It's tasteful. It's yeah, done tasteful. Yeah, we've just it. been able to actually do real shit.
0: What you want to do is you want to practice the songs well enough so that when you're in the moment, you don't have to rely on anything but what you're doing right, right. then. I'll have like a different way of approaching every song, depending on how it hits in the moment, right? And how the how things are going, you know how Chris is. He's mercurial, right? And uh, you and I, we're trying to like ratchet the thing up. We're not necessarily trying to play a part. We're like, all right, this needs a little bit more energy or a little less energy. How
1: do we fucking, yeah, how do we serve this here? Part
0: of the thing is starting this new band. One of the things that we're doing is making it so that there's no place for us to hide on stage. Right. That's the nice thing about a three-piece, right? Yeah. And it's a nice thing about it not being meat puppets. Right. It's got to be right up in our faces. Oh, yeah, it's
1: got to be on the up and up, too, to make it work. You know what's cool is that Chris gets a chance to expand, for real. Play with his effects, because he's been doing some awesome shit lately.
0: Yeah, we want Chris to go ape shit on this yeah,
1: in a certain way. He can go ape shit for playing him, but every once in a while, it'll be the bass Just never like just playing bass. He's
0: sitting there staring at his fretboard in pain. Right. and pain. That's like, when he, it's like, he's no, lost no, us. No, 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 no. That's when
1: we have to like trip him up. <laughs>